2020. Holy crap. I know we all say it. Every year, without fail, that we feel like this year went really, really quick. But this year did go fucking quick. Holy shit. 2020, season two of Big Wonder. Thanks for joining me. If this is your first time onto the podcast, it's, uh, you know, thank you very much for coming along and checking it out. And of course, to everyone who's who's repeatedly uh, dialing in, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. It's lonely work if we all keep spreading the word and hitting subscribe buttons and sharing all that shit that we, you know, ultimately don't love doing, but it's the way of the world. So thank you for everyone who joins in. I really, really appreciate it. For those of you who haven't joined in before and are wondering what this podcast is about, this podcast is for Melbourne-based filmmakers, actors, directors, producers who are evolving with the times, who have had to start creating their own content in order to be working, to be relevant, to be continually pushing um, at their craft. Uh, so for example, uh, for, for why I started this podcast is because I was, you know, your regular actor, had the agent, waiting for auditions. Now, if you're here in Melbourne, or anywhere in Australia really, and you're sitting around just waiting for an audition and you're not a, a really established actor already, you can be waiting a long time. So now we're finding a lot of actors who are thinking ahead and, and being a little bit smart about it are learning how to write and they're writing short films and then that which means ultimately they're probably going to learn how to produce a little bit maybe even direct so that's what this podcast is about it's that sort of middle of the road filmmaker now um who's making their own stuff and one person in particular my guest today he has got quite the catalog of films and he has been pushing it hard for years and he runs a company with his wife called primalux and he's been on my radar a bit lately. A few people have um, been speaking about him and they can't say enough good things about him. So I reached out to him, said, mate, you come highly recommended. Some people I've worked with have been directed by you. They say you're an absolute superstar. I'd love to have you on the podcast. Turns out that we had spoken another time and I didn't even realize that it was him. It was I was talking to someone under the umbrella of Primalux. So it was a great, great privilege to have him on the podcast and we got to sit down and talk about his uh, film uh, Night Shift which is an awesome awesome action film that you can find on YouTube and his upcoming feature Rage which I was blown away to find out that he had uh, the famous incredible stunt coordinator and actor Richard Norton. My guest today is Johnny Balaz. Johnny I hope I'm saying that right and um, I think you're going to really, really enjoy this one, especially if you are branching out into becoming a director or, or having a go at it. Johnny shares some really interesting insights. And I hope you enjoy. Big wonder. Hey, mate. How are you? Good. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. My absolute pleasure. Um, John or Johnny? Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, a bit less formal. So I always start with, um, well, I have a tendency to start with how we met. Yes. And you originally reached out to me about Nick. Nick Stevens, yes. Yeah. Yes. How was working with Nick? So Nick Stevens plays a very 
minor supporting role in Rage. Uh, Rage is your most Rage recent. Rage is my most recent yeah. feature film. Apparently, at the very late stages of post-production. Um, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, look, she she came on board because I was looking for someone who looked like Haley, our lead actress, and some we needed someone who could be believable as her older sister. You know, mm-hmm. and they share the same same kind of you know look. So you know, both have blonde hair. You know, both have that almost that surfy beach look. You know, right. to it. Yeah. So yeah, look, I mean, I, I saw the way I came across her is like she kept commenting on Haley's stuff on Facebook and being really supportive of. Her. I'm like, well, who, who is she? And mm-hmm. you know, as a director, you tend to stalk people's profiles and, and yeah, you know, yeah. do, do your do your background research and things like that. And I just, you know, I realized that she's an actri- actress herself and. I just reached out. I'm like, you know, hey, I've got this small part for you. Um, it's a really violent role uh, and, you know, you're, you're probably going to say no, but here's the script. What, what do you think? <laughs> I need you for three days. And she came back and she loved it. She's like, all right, I'm in. Whatever you need, come on board. She's so keen. She yeah. is. Yeah. Her, she was really enthusiastic and, you know, you're just blessed when you meet people like that, you know. So that's that's why I, um, you know, I came to you because once we wrapped up Rage, I kind of saw something in her that I was like, oh, this – there's something here that that you know once the camera starts to roll, um, it's it's really fine talent, mm-hmm. and and she's got a lot of range despite what she might be like as a you know in real life when the camera stopped rolling, um, she's got a lot of energy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. You know, she's you, a trip. She is. She's. Yeah. But when the camera, when you say action, you know she she really hones everything she in. Really zeroes in. She does. So she a, does. a friend of mine said the exact same thing. So we were just talking about Lauren before. Yeah before we jumped on and um, he was originally going to edit it um, and he looked at all the footage and he went, wow, mm. your lead actress has got a lot of range. Mm. Yeah, and she's really, really like fits the bill and has that strength about her. So that was a really great note yeah. to come back. Well, that's why I got That's why I got in touch with you because I saw that she did Lauren. Right. And I had no idea what, you know, because I, I didn't know what project she's, she's been on. I was so busy in my own world there. Mm-hmm. Um but I said, look, have you ever done a serious, you know, because there was a bit, it was there was a bit of nudity in it as well. Was that there was, right? There was, and the reason I asked, the reason I asked her that was because I'm like, look, you know, I've got a project coming up, mm-hmm. and you know, it might involve you being really vulnerable on screen. Have you ever done anything like this and that? Because um, you know, I was at a treatment stage for our, our next project that we're doing. Right. Uh, you know, having all these ideas floating around my head, and I, I can't help but already start casting as I thinking about things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I thought, oh, you know, she would be great for this role. It's the only female role in, in like this m- toxic male-driven um, narrative. Um, I think she'd fit in. And then I'm like, I, but I need to see more of you. I need to reach out to people who have worked with you. And that's when I right. That's when I sent you that Facebook message going, hey, how, how would she like to work with on a drama, <laughs> you know? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. told me she was fantastic. and Yeah, she was great. She yeah. was great. And here we are now doing a... A, a podcast, a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had reached out to you about your other post, um, not knowing it was you. Yes. And you're like, sorry for not messaging back. And I'm like, yes. What? Yes. So you, I'm, we're Prima Lux. Prima Lux. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, didn't, I don't control the social media. My wife does. Right. Marlene does. So she, you know, she's the one that's the. Yeah, that's a good setup. Hmm? I said, that's a good setup. Well, I make a lot of spelling errors. So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't look good if I start posting, <laughs> you know. Fucking hate yeah, yeah. social media, man. <laughs> like, I, I will say this, and it's taken me a long time to get my head around it because I just, I kind of despise social media for yeah. for a lot of reasons. I just think it's probably more toxic than it is good. 
but we'll see. But well, you tend to only show the good stuff on social media, right? You don't tend to show that, the struggles and yeah. Well, no, <laughs> but I think people do um, get a little carried away with poor me, you know, like the hospital shots and like I saw this girl who had a, taken a selfie of her blood nose the other day, and I'm like, dude, just. I mean, go fix the blood nose. Yeah, no, no, no. I should let everyone know that, hey, I've, I'm injured and the first thing I need I to need do is likes. take a selfie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need likes. Please hit that dopamine button oh, for me, man. please. Yeah. So I struggle with with building an audience, but I do appreciate that it's a it's fucking, that's the deal. Yeah, now. You know unfortunately. What I mean? Go back um, 10 years ago, it wasn't. So. 100%. So the, the, the podcast is a great way for me to feel good about posting and, and mm. doing all that because I want people to listen to it and, and and so far so good, you know, people have been listening and, and reaching out, which is a, a bizarre thing. Oh, it's a good podcast. You know? Thank you. Yeah, yeah cheers. Yeah. But it's, you know, like, oh, who the fuck will want to listen to me mm. who's a struggling upcoming actor <laughs> talk to other struggling <laughs> upcoming actors and filmmakers. Yeah. But, but that's exactly why I think people would, Yes. Our community would listen because there's a relatability there, and it's and the other goal we were just talking about that I really hope for the podcast is <clears throat> this is probably a sort of two year down the line type thing mm-hmm. is that this becomes an idea um, testing platform. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and you you're like I've just written a treatment for this idea and let's just say the audience it's is at sort of 2000 or what have you of industry people mm-hmm. and it's a way to community test an idea. So that say for example a producer is like yourselves or whatever like we're looking for a new writer or a script and someone goes hey man I heard this really great idea being floated on Big Wonder the other day. You yeah, right. Check out this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like the treatment is basically being discussed yeah. between the two of them. They're looking for – I really hope that that becomes a stepping stone as well as just a place to talk about stuff that is already done. Or- well, I hope so too. I mean, look, uh, you know, I think the good thing about having people in the industry is that you're going to get a real response. You're going to get a real-life experience coming at you because a lot of these podcasts interviewing already established people – and it's like, okay, you've been doing this for 15 years. We you, get you, it. You've got money in the bank. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it's like you, you're not at the start. You, you, like give us how it is at the start so people who want to enter this industry don't have that lottery mentality bullshit going in. Everyone wants to be a fucking star. Everyone wants to be, you know, the next big dick director. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it just it doesn't work like that yeah. at all. And, and you know, it's a, it's a long game. Yeah, it is a long game, and you know, my wife always said, you know, you're gonna have your really shitty days, you're gonna have your really shitty years, mm. all right, and you're gonna want to quit and ask yourself, you know, why did I get into this fucked up industry? Why did I get into the most cruel, um, you know, vile, un- unfair <laughs> industry out there when I could have been a doctor or a lawyer and everything? But when you have a good day, when you're on set. And she always says this to me. She goes, try quitting on a good day. Never, never. You know, no. try quitting on a good day and then let me, then see if you like it or not. Yeah. You know? And that's kept me going with her, you know, for 10 years now. She just won't quit. But it's always good to see and, and hear people going, you know what? This is the world I'm living in. I'm going to auditions. I'm not getting auditions. And here's why. Yeah. Um, you know, as, a, as a producer, I'm trying to reach funding. I'm not getting funding. Here's why I'm not getting funding, you know. And people yeah, so here's some of, some of the potholes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, by I guess by doing 
these kind of things, you know, you, you kind of, you know, dispel some of the beliefs that, hey, it's easy to go make a film. It's easy to be an actor. It's easy to be, you know, a producer and all. It's, it's not easy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be heartbreaking either, you know. What, what you said just before is, 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 fuck, it's so great because it's one of the things that I've tried to um, get across to my family. Mm. Um, and it's never been in question with my wife. She just sort of naturally assumed that position, which is, you know, one of the many reasons I love her and why we got married. But of course. is that she would, ne- in a, and I, I sort of define what I need from the people that I care about is that when that dark day does come, to not let me quit. Yeah. You know, yeah. whereas, and, and my dad, who I love dearly, but um, would have just let me quit. Yeah. Because he wasn't all the way there. Yeah. Well, you know, you've, you've had a good run at it, mate. You know, yeah. time to maybe head back out to the mines and fucking dig holes yeah, for the rest yeah, of your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Look, it's, a very, it's very important. I think, I think the people around you and the people that do support you uh, sometimes the most important thing mm. in, in someone's career because, you know, my mum, I was raised by a single mum, you know, she never once said to me, don't do this. She never once said, you make more money as a lawyer, as a as someone who works in a bank, as, you know, I mean, yeah, if, if I gave any other industry the amount of time and passion, I'd be a millionaire. Easily, <laughs> easily, I'd be a millionaire. But... Someone you told get me, the same kickback. No, well, that's the thing. Someone told me a long time ago, I didn't choose this profession. It chose me. All right? Right. So you've just led me to this other thing that I was talking to Erica about the other night and I'd never quite put it into words before. It's so interesting that you, you, you're you running on the same line here as I said. It's necessity. Yeah. It's necessity. No matter what happens, there is there is a part of any creative or what have you. Yeah. I think sports people and creatives, but even sports people run out of – sports time yeah. eventually whereas was creatives forever it's necessity they have to do it yeah. to feel alive yeah. yeah yeah you do i mean you can go like a lot of my um a lot of people that i know that aren't in the industry you know it's gonna sound horrible but i call them the normies you know the normies um <laughs> they don't you know they'll never have the same pressure or the same struggles that we go through and that's fine but they're doing the nine to five grind just like we are but they don't have that extra added pressure of doing the seven to midnight grind afterwards to get something else made because they have their regular job, they have their regular incomes and they might, you know, have a hobby knitting scarves on the weekend or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they like for me, it's not enough just to live, to make a paycheck, uh, yeah, you know, to to do the nine to five, to yeah. just to just float. That's not enough. For yeah, me. not a hundred percent. Um, and I guess. I guess that is the norm, but, um, you know, a lot of, I mean, stress can be relative. Well, it is relative. Trauma is relative, but there is an extra thing when you're a creative and you're, um, there's such a myriad of, it's one thing to, to make something and then have people not like it, right? That can be pretty tough, but it's another thing to have something that no one wants to make, or you just can't. Everyone's like, so good, so good. But no, I, I mean, I, it's a pass for me or it's a pass for me. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I've dealt with that many times. Or, you, or you've or you got something great and you make it and then it wasn't what you thought it was going to be and you're like, oh, fuck, that's actually pretty shit. Mm. Uh, one of the interesting things in, um, and I suppose any writer, maybe you, you'll confirm this for me, but as a writer, actor, and I've got, 
a reasonably cool little group of actors that I can um, stress test yeah, right. scenes with. Yeah. Um, you, I shot a scene recently from from the film which I thought was going to be a really epic scene. You so know? you sent me? Uh, no, no, no. no. Okay. So I think I sent you, uh, or maybe I did. Is it when I'm walking from my mate talking about um, the woman that I lost and everything? I sent you the Bronco one, right? Driving the woolen. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's from um, right. that's a reworked scene from Any Given Sunday. Right. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Uh, no. So we did a scene from my film, The Park. And it's about. Um, a mixed race South African woman who who runs an anti poaching unit in the Kruger National Park, mm-hmm. and this former SAS soldier finds himself in Africa, and um, he's lost his girlfriend in a bombing, and mm-hmm. she was pregnant, and all this kind of stuff. But it's this scene between um, his him and his mate, who is already in the unit, but he served with in Iraq, and he's sort of spilling the beans on why he's there, mm. and his um. His heartbreak, and and I was like, oh yeah, this thing's gonna be great. And then there's all these lines in there, and we're doing it. I'm like, fuck, that sounds so cheesy, dude. Like I can't yeah. believe how shit that sounds, you know. So we rework and rework, and then I did another. I've just joined um, Stage Milk. Do you mm-hmm. know? Have you heard of Stage no, Milk? No, no. Really nice guy up in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Hurl is his name, and he's put together this incredible um, online club where actors can submit scenes each month and they're critiqued and worked and oh right right yep 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 and he's he's really uh he's an actor and a musician himself and he's he's really um created a bit of a network like they had Damon Heron on there the other day with a live Q&A for us <laughs> as stage and I got to ask him a question like this dude's just been in Tarantino's last film and yeah, yeah. playing Mar- um Charles Manson what have you and Mindhunter and he talked about that part oh and how he got it, and, and I'm having a conversation with him. Isn't that isn't that a prime example of there are no small roles? A hundred percent, because he owned that entire scene, like right, <sighs> top to bottom, amazing. And so what he's so I'll finish this thing, and then I'll before I go on this next tangent. Yeah. But so I did, you know, my my um, monthly submission. I thought, well, this is another great opportunity to do a scene mm-hmm. from the film. And just working it and seeing, oh, actually, no, nah, that doesn't float or that actually works better than than I had hoped. And so that's one of, I feel like I've lost my way a little bit, but but I think we started that talking about just the some of the, making it. the hurt and, well, that can come when you think that something's so great and it's fucking well, look, crap. Look, <clears throat> the, the, thing, the thing with actors, and this is something that I've, I've learned a lot now about working with actors and it's only been in the last five or six years that I've actually really started to focus on the actors because normally what I used to focus on as a director director, is the more technical aspects of it. Hmm. You know, how we're shooting, what, what's the lighting and all, I don't give a crap about that anymore because that's a DIP's job. Yeah. It's my job to hire a good DIP, mm-hmm. right? Now it's more about working with actors and what about the actor is going to be an asset for the film, right? Mm-hmm. And I get asked this question a lot, but actors reaching out to me, you know, saying, oh, how do, I, how do I break into it? Like, how do I get into your film? How do I get into a film? I'm like, you make your own film. Mm. Don't wait for the role that you want to come to you. Make your own goddamn role. 
get, yourself, get, man. Get, get, look, <clears throat> you work, you work full time. Yes, I do. Okay. Do you live at home? Yes, I do. Go get a $10,000 credit card, make a $10,000 short. Okay. And just put yourself in the lead. <laughs> it's not that hard. Just go do it. Okay. If you're serious about it, you're going to put the financial backing into yourself because that's you're, right. You're not investing in someone else's project. You're investing in yourself. Mm. It's very important to do that, to spend the time, spend the money, spend the, the research and really, really invest in yourself. And I'm, I've had that happen to me. I've, I've had actors come to me and says, Hey, I've got money. I want to be the lead. What can you do? Do you have a script for me? Okay. Mm. And yeah, I've got, I've got plenty of scripts. I've got plenty of ideas, you know, sitting there and I'm like, you'd be perfect for this. You'd be perfect for that. You know, to me, when I see an actor going, I want to be this person. I want to play this character. I'm not an editor, not a director. I'm, I'm not a sound guy. I'm not, I'm, I'm an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm, I need you to get a crew around me to help me tell this story, to help mm-hmm. me be this character. Mm-hmm. That to me shows that you're a serious actor because you're not waiting for that role to come to you. Right. You're making your own role. Right, right, you're right. making your own path because no one's going to come knocking on your door. Not these you days, man. No. No, you got to get real lucky with that. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Damon was saying that he actually got the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because of Mindhunter, mm. even though Mindhunter came out afterwards, he'd already shot that. So yeah. old mate... Tarantino saw the footage and he was like, well, if you want to do it again, yeah. it's yours, dude. You know, like, um, I, you know, when I, when I was watching that scene, I had to look back on IMDb. I'm like, who the hell is this actor? Oh, really? And I was right. like, oh my God, he, he's an Aussie. Yeah, he's and an he, Aussie. And he pulled off that accent flawlessly. Wait, did flawlessly. you ever watch Justified? No, I haven't seen so it. He was amazing in no, Justified. It's it. this little like redneck scumbag Dewey. Mm. And his accent is perfect. Wow. Like I always thought he was American. That's good training. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been at it for 30 something years yeah. now. Like it's, he's a child actor actually. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he'd be in his mid to late forties now, I'd say. I don't really watch TV. No, I mean, <clears throat> but one thing that we have in this house is there's got to be an hour, an hour max when it's busy, but an hour minimum across the board of viewing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just, it's just part of our. Or maybe we'll implement that now in our place. <laughs> yeah, do it. Like for us, it's, you know, it's like we we both actually both work as photographers for the same company, um, and you know, I try and make my days as productive as possible, and mm-hmm. that's and I'm happy to do that. Whether it's you know, I work an eight hour day taking photos and then come home and write for an hour, yeah. or, and I've got to get exercise in there. That's a huge part of of our life, but. I, I'm a film a day kind of guy if yep. I can. Yep. Um, it's just so critical well, for me. You won't me. be for long. What's that? You won't be for long, I know, mate. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there. There'll be uh, lots of. A storm is coming and you are. YouTube on the dunny. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. No, no, I'm not joking. That's what happens. And yeah. yeah, mate, you're about to lose your sleep. So enjoy it now while you can. And congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you, God. We've got, what have we got? We've got two and a half months. Two and a half months. Just sleep, man. Yeah. That's all I can say. Just get get your rest. Get your rest. Eric has been been uh, sleeping <laughs> flat out. I come home at like eight thirty most nights or whatever, and she's already been asleep for an hour on the couch. She's, she's got the right idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that um, you know, well, we can check back in in about three months to see if I'm about to sound like a total prick, but <clears throat> I'm hoping that I'm I'm really trying to implement 
um, a habit of, of meditation and good sleep and and a um, sustainable exercise routine that so that when the sleep deprivation hits, it doesn't hit as hard mm. as if I was someone who wasn't healthy and vibrant. Yes, and, that's and what a very have, good way you know? to be. See, my um, wife was eight months pregnant when we made our first short film, Dancer. <laughs> so she was she was waddling around on the set, making sure everything because she's always she's basically the producer at Prima Life Films. She right. she oversees everything. <clears throat> everything goes by her. She approves everything from treatment to concept to script and mm-hmm. everything. So she, you know, by having her pregnant on set and running around and and going through these late night meetings, that I mean, that to me shows the dedication that is unlike anything I've ever seen, you know. And, you know, she didn't let that stop her. There were times when she was tired. There were times when she was cranky. And, but she, she kept going, you know, and resilient. On. And then I realized, you know, she's just a mirror image of me, the determination, the resilience, and, like, she'll never stop. She'll never stop. So, look, at the end of the day, you, you got to make a decision and go, look, I've got this other entity now in my life. I've got, I've got another thing that's, the most important mm, in my life. Mm. Um, yeah, I can stop doing, be creative and be a great parent or I can do both. And I'm going to be a little bit tired, but I'm going to do both because what sort of message would you be telling your child later on in life when, when it goes, hey, you know, dad, what did you used to do? What did you used to love? And you say, oh, well, I used to do this. And then, then the next question is going to be, well, why didn't you keep doing it? You don't want to answer because you were born. Yeah. You know, so the trick is to tell them, hey, you know, when you were born, I was doing this and, you know, you're 13, 14 years old now and I'm still doing it. The message to you is don't stop doing what you love, you know. Do you know, I have said this so many times and you're the first person who is on the other side who agrees with me that that is, that's not the message to send. You know, oh, do you just wait till, you know, your, your baby comes along and it'll just be all about them and you won't care about this other thing anymore. And I'm like, no, I can't imagine not ever caring about it and I can't imagine me ever feeling good about stopping it because it was too much. Mm. And what sort of a fucking message is that? Yeah, it's a bad message. And then um, you know, I don't believe that I'm the kind of person who would resent my child because of it, but plenty of people do. They do. But I would just, I just wouldn't feel like a man, mm. you know, and like a dad, yeah. you know, and as a role model, if I went, oh, I just got too hard. Even if I was still just doing commercials and making my own little short films, I'm still being creative. Yes. Yeah. It's very important. Look, being creative is, to people like us, it's, and this is going to sound really wanky, <laughs> but it's almost as important as taking a breath every day. Oh, yeah, you know, it is. It is. If, you, if you're not creative in <clears throat> any sense, it, if you, I spend at least an hour a day in any format, I don't care if it's reading an article about a new plugin for software, if yeah. it's reading an article about financing or, or watching a YouTube video about a talk or, or something to do with creativity or the film. Making films. If I don't have that hour a day to do that, I feel like I haven't achieved anything, mm-hmm. accomplished anything. So it's up to you as a, as a father, as a parent, to find that combination, to find that the right balance. struggle. Because I've seen it done. Mm. I've seen it done. And yeah, yeah, it's fucking hard, man. I'm not going to lie to you. It's really hard. But you've got two. I've got two yeah. and they're both under five. So, um, <laughs> Do you know but, Adam Laws? But it's awesome. Do you know Adam? Uh, you have to meet Adam um, through the channels. But yeah, he's um, was was making films and working on sets and all this kind of stuff. I won't go on for this. But anyways, and 
just couldn't do it anymore for a little bit. Had two kids. Mm. They're both, I think, like under five, maybe mm-hmm. under seven. Went and joined his brother's plumbing business and has come back around the tail side now that he has cash and a successful business yeah. and is writing again and, and, and will come back in it from that end. But, yeah, I met with him the other day on a short film that we're working on and uh, he's like, yeah, man, fuck, like two kids. You know, I've got – I have this deal with my wife for Wednesdays as my film day. Yeah, good. Where yeah. I get to do – but outside of that, I got to focus on the family and the business. But Wednesday, I get to do my shit. Yeah. Talk to me about rage. Rage. Okay. So rage is my, I guess you can call it my directing debut. As a, as a feature as film. As a feature mate. film. There's yeah. one other credit that I was credited on as a co-director, mm-hmm. which is more of a credit than anything really. I was more of a technical director there. And it's something that I've tried to get off IMDb. <laughs> uh, but look, Rage is, Rage is my first foray into features. Um, you wrote? I wrote a treatment in 2012 based off the Cheshire murders in Connecticut. Right. Um, that story just really, really stabbed me in the heart. I mean, right. this, this whole family was fucking massacred in the night, okay? When? Uh, I think it was 2012, okay? Shit. Yeah, so I was oh, mid-20s in 2012. So I wrote, I wrote, I wrote like a ten-page treatment based around that crime, and then I added my own little story into it. And I realized at the time that I'm dealing with things that I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. I'm 25. I don't understand marriage. I don't understand relationships. I don't understand adult things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm still going out every night. Yeah, you know, getting fucked getting up. fucked up and all. You know, <laughs> um, you know. I've got a lot of free time on my hands. I'm going to movies when I want this and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was dating Marlene at the time. <laughs> How you know? it changes. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> and I just realized, you know, I don't understand the sanctity of, <clears throat> of what it is to be married. I don't understand the, the, the relationship, the ups and downs, the, the mask that one puts on when they first meet someone. Yeah. And the potential the, loss, the potential loss, things yeah. like that. So I, I just shelved it, mm-hmm. I, you know, but it was always in my emails, you know, I'm like, right. Whatever. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I write something. I write. I write something every week, and I'll just put it away. You know. Um. And in between that time, I was, you know, just trying to really focus on getting quality shorts made. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I viewed those quality shorts as training ground mm-hmm. on technical and, and you know how to work with crew, how to speak, how to carry yourself on set. You know, that's really important. So yeah, the you know after night shift, which was my last short film mm-hmm. you know i just decided look let's just let's just go in let's just go in and mm-hmm. the way rage got kind of reignited again was matt theo was one of our um henchmen in night shift mm-hmm. now i've known matt since my first short film well it's not my first short film but I, I i like to call it my first short film because it's truly my film right it was dancer and okay. he and he was one of the uh he was one of the bad guys that would kick around and all that. And he was just a really good guy, you know. So I've always kept in contact with him and I called him. I'm like, hey, I've got this role for you. It's a, it's a bad guy role in, in night shift. Come by, come train for three months with me, you know, three or four nights a week and you're going to get your ass kicked by a woman. It's like, yeah, yeah, cool, no worries, you know. And then halfway through training, uh, Matty goes, oh, you know, he asked me the question, how much is, how much is night shift costing you? To make i'm like look it's gonna cost me around 10 to 12 grand he goes no i can't believe you can do that i'm like yeah man you know for 55k i can make a whole bloody feature film 
and his eyes lit up. He's like, really? You can make a feature film for 55K? And this is the producer me coming out going, yeah, I can do whatever. You know? <laughs> I, can, I can do that. You know, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, we're going to do a 15-day shoot. Um, you know, we're going to eat crackers you know, for lunch. And all it's going to be awesome. And everyone's you know? going to be pissed yeah, off. Everyone's going to be losing pissed it. off and I'm going I'm <clears> to <throat> pull in all my favors. Never happened. No. Nah. All right. So between shooting Night Shift and editing it to, I guess, very early 2018, um, we, I, I gave Matt three scripts because the condition was, all right, look, Matt, you've got some cash, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need you to fund it, all right? And this is going back to what I was saying before about actors mm-hmm. making their own path. And that's exactly right. so. That, he's an executive producer. That in is this. exactly what he did. Wow. So this is Matt's film, more than anyone's. Wow. Yeah. So it was your and so you wrote a treatment, but did you then go and write the script as well? No, no. So what happened was I gave, I pulled out that treatment, mm-hmm. and I had two other options. One was an action, a full blown <clears throat> action, and one was another dark kind of thriller. Mm-hmm. And I laid them down on the table. I'm like, pick one, pick which one you want. And he picked the most dramatic, the most operatic one out of he the piece, which was which was it. Rage. Yeah. And I asked him, why did you pick that one? He goes, because the character has range. I will be able to display a lot of emotion. I will be able to display a different range yeah, of, of acting Yeah, it's multidimensional. And, I, you know, in my head, I'm like, right, okay. I better get this written properly. Right. Now, at the time... In 2012, when I did write the treatment, I was heavily inspired by the Connecticut murders, but also I was heavily inspired by an episode of Alfred Hitchcock classic called Revenge. Right. So I kind of molded two stories together. Mm -hmm. And then in my head, I'm thinking, right, I'm going to need to get this script looked at legally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, right. This this treatment looked at legally. So I go, all right, Matt, we're about to do it. I need five grand. Okay, Boom. it's it's transferred to you in the next, you know, half an hour. Like, That's, this is happening. This is, this is fantastic. Yeah. So I got in touch with my lawyer up in, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, uh, Fox Studios in, in uh, Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. So I go, hey, hi, Chris. Um, listen, thank you, Chris, by the way. Um, <laughs> listen, I've got this story. Here's a treatment. Um, can you have a look at this? Make sure that, you know, we're not going to get sued by Paramount. He goes off, spends two weeks talk, looking at, um, Shamley Studios, which is Hitchcock's old property. Oh, I see. Going yeah. through our thing bit by bit. And he's like, all right, look, you, you got to change a few things because you, you will get sued. Right, there's some quotes there's in some, there. Well, it's more like the structure of it. I'll stri- okay, goes, some plot if you, lines. If, and- you change, if you change the story on a top level where if you do a blurb about it, it's, it's different enough that. Right. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not a writer. Right. So I put up a post on stage 32. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I never go on that, but uh, it was just oh, where, where do I, where do I, where do I get a mass thing out? Mm-hmm. You know, and I uh, put on start now and all that as well. But I had five hundred and seven applications for writers in three nights. Right? Shit! How do you sift through that? I'm like, oh man! <laughs> all right. So the first thing I did was like, all right, I went through each email, and whoever had a spelling error, I'm like, now you're out straight away. If you're a writer, right? Okay, and you got a spelling error. Great way to sift through. I'm sorry, this email was done in haste. You didn't read the description and all that. See you later. So that cut it it down to by half. You know, for auditions that come through from Star now. If you can't write it, 
without a spelling error yeah. or format it properly, yeah. this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> this is, look, I mean, look, I, it, spent, it, it took me a good, you know, two, three months to go through it because every, everyone gave, the, gave in their samples of, of their script. Yes. And all that. So I had to read the first 10 pages. If it didn't grab me, then see you later. And I've kind of felt like an agent at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, it was, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And uh, look, I mean, I mean, I made some really good contacts through it. Um, That's great. Saying, you know, hey, you know, I'd really like your shit. We'll work There's later. There's a little bit on, of a know? funnel there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I came across Michael J. Cospia and he's, um, he's a native, native kid who lives in the Bronx, all right? And I go, what have you done? Because uh, he sent through a script for Suicide Theory. I'm like, what the hell is this? He goes, well, it was actually shot. In Australia, by a filmmaker called uh, Drew Drew Brown, I think. Um, and you know, he goes, "Hey, you know, Drew made this film for you know under hundred thousand dollars." I'm looking at, it, I'm like, "Oh, this is this is a really good looking film." So you know, you, you write really good dark stuff. And mm-hmm. he goes, "Well, I, I won the I won the Austin Film Festival Audience Award for for writing." I'm like, "Wow, that's pretty good." All right, here's a treatment. Tell me what you can come back with. Yeah. He goes, well, you know, it comes back to me within a few days. And he's like, well, I'd do this and this and this and that. I'd add this character in. And hey, how do you think about putting in a private investigator into the film? I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. These are, all, <laughs> these are all great, you know. Um, and at that point, I started really letting go of it, mm-hmm. the story. I'm like, hey, go, go Which away. is a skill in itself Yeah, to I'm do. like, go tell yeah. this story, man. Yeah. Like, come back to me with something solid. I'll, I'll make it happen, mm-hmm. you know. So I think... 13 drafts later, we, we came back. We, we went through a coverage service as well, which is, again, more money. Um, well, they vetted it and went so through So they vetted it. it. They said, look, you know, this is really strong here. This is really weak here. Go back and fix this. Go back and fix that. And we never went back because we already got their notes. So we went, you know, I went, Michael, you got to fix this, you know. Right. And a lot of that was, you know, subjective on their part, mm-hmm. part as well because, you know, Michael was writing things like, you know, he goes to a gun – gun store and things like that i'm like we don't have that here so we, you you got to work around it you know right, right, right. yes yeah. you got to regionalize yeah, it yeah he, he has to obtain a gun illegally because we can't just go into a gun store in australia yeah yeah because yeah. you know, see you know. back in 93 yeah no i actually explained it to him yeah i yeah, did yeah, have to yeah, explain yeah. it to him it was like wow i wish that could Martin happen Brian, uh lost yeah, his marbles and uh, massacred 33 people so yeah you know the script came along and then you know my wife, Marlene was heavily involved in all aspects of it. And she's like, all right, look, it's, I think it's time we schedule it, mm-hmm. things like that. And I'm, I'm going to need, you know, I'm going to need someone to work with me on it because, you know, it's a big film. And me being naive, I'm like, yeah, 12 days, we can do it. No problem, 12 days. You know, 12 and how days many pages shooting. did he end up coming up with? So it was a standard 120, I think it was between 120, 130 pages, um, which right. eventually the last, the last bit was 140 pages that we shot. Jesus. Anyway, long, long story <laughs> short, we you know we got uh, Vicky Blinks on board as another producer as well. Um, she was doing amazing stuff for us since day one. Yeah, on, on dancer. Um, so she's really worked her way up in our eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we just we just started plotting it out and going right. We're not ready to shoot yet. We'll shoot next year in March. Mm-hmm. We hate summer. We don't want to shoot in the summer. <laughs> I'm sure the crew doesn't like summer. You know, we'll we'll wait for that wintry, bleaky kind of you know autumn feel yep. to it because that's the kind <clears> of tone we want for the film as well, and it will work out perfectly. So yeah, we waited and, and you know we started ordering our props from America. We started you know really, you know doing all the same usual bullshit pre-production, that, pre-production stuff. stuff. You know, which I like doing, but not 
all aspects of it. You know, uh, scheduling, budgeting, I hate. Um, <laughs> at the same time, Matt kind of fell into a bit of a, uh, he, he had a bit of a, you know, a back step, um, just with a few things mm-hmm. and it wasn't his fault at all. And, you know, hats off to the guy the way he handled these situations. Like, man, I would have pulled my hair out, but right. he, he was calm, cool, collected. And he was always so positive about it. It was just always so positive. And as we're doing the schedule, as we're doing the, the budgeting and, you know, recruiting people and, you know, negotiating their fees and things like that, the cost just kept going up and up and up and up to the point where it almost nearly tripled oh, to the thing. So Matt looks at me, he's like, hey, I thought you said you can do this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could do it, but rather than shooting on a Ari Alexa, we're going to be shooting on a, you know, a DV cam kind of thing, you know, and, you know, we'll just record the sound on our iPhones. You know, it's like, oh, you know. And Matt, Matt really didn't see, he's never had experience on the process of it. Right. So he's always been in front of the camera, but he's never, he's never seen the spreadsheets. He's never had any experience with, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the process. And, you know, some of the costs where they were going were what really the, surprising. Then, he was like, why does it cost this much? I'm like, dude, that's the business, man. That's like, what it costs. A lawyer's going to charge you 1500 for a chat on the phone. Yeah. You know? Um, script coverage USD, it is going to be two grand, you know, to get it done properly by professionals, mm, you know. Mm. Um, and slowly, yeah, he started, slowly he started molding himself into, you know, becoming a really, really good EP and going, right, it's my job to go get money. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. He, he, he rallied people together. <laughs> and, you know, th- this film has been funded by, you know, someone gave us a fucking poker chip that I had to go to Crown and Cash. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's 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 how we got. You know, it's it's been amazing. You know, <laughs> take it wherever you can no, get no, it. No, you don't understand. Like there were there were there were times when there were times when someone would show up on set mid filming with a little leather pouch and goes here. I'm like, what is this? You go, I open the pouch. There's ten grand cash in there. I'm like, oh, okay. What? I don't I don't care where this came from. All right, it's <laughs> it's feeding the crew for the next twelve weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, and and that's. <laughs> That's why we're going back now with receipts and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff to make sure. But yeah, look, Matt, with Matt and Marlene together, I, I feel like they made a really good team. Um, I, I had a really, really good team behind me because from the funding, from the hustling, from the creativity on how to get money um, to fund it, it's been such a wonderful experience to have that sort of support. Mm. You know, but unfortunately, mid, midway through shooting, literally halfway through shooting an investor did pull out with a massive chunk of it. And, wow. and Marlene, Matt and I looked at each other and we we're like, look, this is a really large amount of money, like over 50 K that we have to keep, that we have to raise. We don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing in front of the crew mm. or the cast because that's just going to deflate them completely. Yeah. Everyone started this project with such energy and enthusiasm mm-hmm. and it was great, you know? We had money in the account to pay them week by mm-hmm. week. You know, that was fantastic. But then as soon as that one person pulled the string, it was like, there's extra pressure I don't need. Because mm. I was really focusing on directing. I was focusing on on getting... Doing s- what you're supposed to be well, focused set, on. You know, mm. I, I got really good people around me and that gave me a lot of energy. You know, our set designer, Stephen Wolf. you know, he came up with an amazing idea. Our wardrobe, you know, our wardrobe was fantastic. You know, every, everyone just did such a really good job that I didn't want to let them down, you know, because I'm like, you know, we got phone calls at 11, 12 at night from our wardrobe guy going, hey, uh, you know, I'm just putting this stuff together now. I'm like, 
you, you're working this late. That's amazing. I, mm. I wish I wish the investors would see this. I mm-hmm. wish that people would see you working this late. You know, our bloody production designer. He he would have racked up. You know, half the mileage on his car now is probably from the shoot, the driving, the picking up, the 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 creativity of making a set look good. It's just amazing, you know, and he, his passion, his enthusiasm and, and, you know, everyone's involved. I'm like, we can't let this shit go to waste because it's, there's magic happening right now. We've got lightning and lightning in a bottle. And Marlene was of two minds, obviously being the, I'm always up in the clouds. She's got her feet firmly placed, you know, on the ground, <laughs> which is why she's a good producer. Um, yeah. That's what you need. Yeah. And she's like, look, if we keep shooting now, Okay, because we're deferring payments till the end. We're, we're going to actually run into massive issues once the filming stops because the invoices are going to start coming in. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to pay them on time mm-hmm. and your career is going to be down to go to No shit. one's going to trust you. No one's going to trust you. No one's mm-hmm. going to work with you again. I'm like, look, let's just keep going. Just keep going. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out as we're, as we're going. So this shit kept me up at night, like to the point where I, actually, I was having panic attacks at night. I, I couldn't sleep. It was literally keeping me up at night going, how the fuck am I going to pay these people, right? Eventually what happened was, um, you know, throughout it, the invoices did start coming in, but I was able to get little bits and pieces coming in. Mm-hmm. Some of it was through Matt. Some of it was through our other executive producer, a friend of his called um, Theo, mm-hmm. right? He came on board and he goes, right, I believe in you guys. I see the project. Here's some cash, right? Mm-hmm. So between, I think, May till only recently, August, you know, we, we've just been hustling to get 10 grand here, five grand here, right. you know, this and that. Um, and then we had another EP come on board, an amazing EP himself, Adam LaRosa. He saw the project and he's like, look, I'm now getting into more of the EPing myself. I can give you some money, um, but I, I got to see the contract and it's got to mm-hmm. be a Prima Lux films and an Adam LaRosa films. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, you know, his reputation is really good in the industry. He's a really decent guy down to earth. He's very focused, very, he knows what he, he doesn't have time for bullshitters. Mm-hmm. So I was actually very privileged to, you know, have 10 That's minutes. Great. Have 10 minutes. Yeah. He put in some money and he's, you know, he's really big on promoting it, things like that. So eventually we, we started chipping away and it was like, all right, all right, we can pay an invoice now. We can pay this now. We can, you know, people were calling him like, hey, look, I'm getting some money coming in next month from this guy. Can you just hold out? You know, and people, people were really understanding and people were good. You know, we never got any backlash for it. That's great. Or anything like that. So yeah, all the crew have been <laughs> paid now and all that. So <laughs> it was just, yeah, it, it was just an extra struggle that I didn't need as a director producer. Yeah. But, and, I, had, but, but I had good people around me. But I mean, it seems like, any you know, if you were to talk to anyone who's been it for a while, it would be to expect just at that last minute when you need it the least. It, that's when it's going to happen. Yeah, that big one that's going to come. Yeah, that's when it's going to come. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a ride. It was a ride. But it, again, if it wasn't for the people around me and and just their positivity, going, hey brother, we'll get it. Like don't stress. Don't you know? By you not sleeping, it's not, it's not it's, helping you're anything. Not, you're not serving the film. It's not helping anything. No, no, no. You, know? you need to be sharp. And at the same you... time, like the half the film was already cut and edited. Right. And, like, and when I say half, it was a good hour and a half of it because the film goes to two and a half hours. Mm. So, I, you know, I showed I showed rough things to people and they saw the Which quality. Is good to have. Yeah, and mm. they were really enthused by it, you know. And yeah, because like, if you yeah. had nothing to show, and oh, we've got all this in the bag, but we don't know. What, yeah. yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I had to cut something together, you know, and, and I think that helped. And again, you know, 
just I just want to personally take this time now to thank you know the Matt, crew Matt Theo Marlene Vicky Vicky was hustling as well for us as well um, Adam Larosa even our pediatrician put in, put in a little bit you know it was just fantastic to see everyone. <laughs> Come together and go, look, I actually believe in you because I know you've been doing it for so long. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're at the last stage now of, you know, the music has been written. Ask me about that later because I've got a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring that mic a little closer to it's, you. It's fantastic. <laughs> How's that? Is that better? Yeah, that's good. Check, check, check. Um, yeah, so there, there was that financial struggle and I think that was the, I mean, every crew, every film set is going to have some politics there that you got to deal with. You know, I just didn't. I just didn't deal with it. Right. I didn't I didn't have a bar of it. I didn't care. Oh, okay. You didn't deal with it in, in, in terms of you just didn't tolerate it. No, yeah. I, I mean, look, I mean, that's why I hire people around me. Yeah, you've got to have that delegation going I didn't on, give a right? shit about catering. I didn't care what time we break for lunch. I didn't give a fuck who, you know, uh, what, I'm sorry. It's not my job to care about your dietary. No, no, no that's right. Uh, you I need, need to, have to focus chain on the story intact. and all that. And I was lucky enough to have people around me. That were like, I've got this one. Don't worry about it. You yeah. fo- you go focus. Set up your next show. Go do your thing. And I fucking loved it. Mm. I loved it because to me, those people are just the most amazing, magical people. You know, to me, they were like, go do your thing. I've got it. I'll deal with it. Yeah. I've, I've never had that happen. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. Um, a lot of support. A lot of support. Well, I was saying to you before, I worked in um, high fashion for about seven years, mm. and whenever I would shoot an editorial, um, you know, there's between sort of five or six to 12 people all in a contained space, yeah. you know, for say it's, if you're shooting in a studio, it's super contained or maybe you're on location, but you know, that was always my sort of pre shoot mm. meeting was don't, I'm going to do the photo- photography. I bought some food for you and I'm going to be with the model. I don't give a fuck what she wears, how it's worn. Yep. You do your thing. How, what the mate, I don't, yep. it's not my department. Yep. Yep. I don't know what looks good. Yep. I know that she looks good or he looks good. Mm. That's all I'm focused on. Do your thing. Um, oh, but no. make a decision. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's not make my a decision. decision. To make. Your name, that's, that's what this is how you And you're that comes learn. with experience because, you know, when you first start out, you do want to. People don't understand what it means to be a director when they first start out. They don't understand that being a director doesn't mean that you, it's not your set. That's the one thing that I've I've started to learn now over the last five years is in doing short films to now do feature. It's all of us. It's 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 not your set. It it's it's up to the first AD. They're running the show. Right, right, right. So yeah. by you having a really good first AD, a good you know producer on board, that you know, they're the ones running the set. They're the ones telling you how long you've got. They're the ones telling you what yes, you can and can't do. Telling the director, mate, you need to type. You need to. Get this wrapped yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, exactly. you still got seven scenes since 2 a.m. I didn't run the <laughs> set. I didn't run the set at all. This this was not my set. Mm-hmm. This is this is the set of Marlene and Vicky Blinks, okay? Right. Um, and Sophie Thurling as mm-hmm. well. What those three women did on the set was make it run like clockwork. It was a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. And I got shielded from a lot of the drama that happened. Yeah, that's good. Um, that I had to deal with later on, okay? <laughs> Tell but, me, sorry, go but on. But yeah, but it, it was just, it, it's, you need to be able to realize that at a certain point in time, a director doesn't mean you direct everything. No, no, no. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're directing like, the performance. Well, the thing is like, 
and again, this is for this is for your audience members who are, who mm-hmm. are listening and watching for this. You know, if later on, you know, you, you meet an inspiring film director or a filmmaker wants to listen to this, mm. my best advice is to to say to them that a, a director isn't the king dick on set. Okay? Right, that's not how it works, mate. That's not how it works at all. Focus on the story. Make a decision on performance. Make a decision in the edit. Mm-hmm. That's what a director does. Right. You, you're you you you're a captain in the sense that you're steering it mm-hmm. in the right way or the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. No one's going to tell you the other way. As far as the mechanics of a set go, <clears throat> it's not it's not up to you. Okay. So, I often hear stories about directors being really overbearing on set, mm. getting into everyone's different faces, um, telling other people how to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. That to me is toxic. Mm. If you've hired someone where you have to tell them how to do their job, you've hired the wrong person. You got the wrong guy. You know? Yeah. So my advice moving forward to you know, I guess if you're if you're a newbie coming into it, is focus on character, story, story, pacing, yeah. and edit. Yeah, and have a great relationship with your DOP. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, we had a good one on this yeah. one. We had a fantastic yeah. one on this one. Ben Luck. Hi, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how Richard came into your project. So Richard, okay. Richard Norton, Richard by, Norton, by the way. Wow, what an absolute honour it was for Richard Norton He's to be on board. such a legend. Oh, my goodness. As wow. I said to you before, I had the privilege of just doing, yeah. um, well, I mean, that's, I guess it's a privilege, but I also paid for it, but not that it was a lot, <laughs> but doing a day yeah. um, stunt class with him or, or, or um, screen fighting class yeah. um, at TAFTA. Um, he's known John for a lot of years. Um, and some Like he was showing us footage of, like the um, rehearsals for Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, he's, he's such a weapon. But yeah, tell me how that came All about because right, so that's quite Richard, incredible. I've been a fan of Richard since I was six years old. Wow. Yeah, I was. I remember actually sitting in, oh God, I remember sitting as a six-year-old in an apartment in Budapest and watching, um, I think at the time it was called The Target, Jackie Chan film. Right. And he was on a parachute shooting, um, <laughs> shooting, it was it always played the bad guy. He was shooting down like a beach resort full of people. It was, yeah, he's a, he's a bad. He was a bad guy. Um, but then I saw his fight with Sammo Hung with the tennis rackets and, and things like that. It was fantastic. Um, so I've always loved Richard, and you know, throughout the years, I'm like, oh man, I got I got to work with this guy. But he's the type of person that's been around enough enough in the industry that he's not going to tolerate some shitty little mm. kid, you know, mm. telling him what to do. But look, we've were I've. I approached Richard when I was doing dancer. Right. I got his details through um, someone who's connected within the martial mm-hmm. art world because you know, I, I just reached out. I'm like, hey, I'm doing this really interesting 80s style neo-noir film and there's a lot of fighting in it. Do you, do you know of anyone who could possibly overlook the fight scenes? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, he's, he's Richard's number. So I called Richard. I'm like, oh, hi, Richard. Listen, I'm doing this short film. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah to- he's like, oh, sorry, I'm just on the set of fucking um, Ghost <laughs> yeah, in the Machine yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Me and Scarlett have just got a scene to work well, on. Well, actually, actually, I got I lucked out because he was he was back at home. He, right. It was one of those rare gaps between projects for him. And I was like, listen, um, you don't know me, but blah blah blah, gave me your number. He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, listen, I'm doing this action film. Do you mind if, like, can I talk to you about it? <laughs> um, it's the first time I'm doing martial arts by myself, um, in my style. Mm-hmm. He goes, yeah, 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 just, you know, send me, I'm, I'm cool, you know, with it. Wow. So he actually came down for a few of our training sessions and we showed it's him our fight scenes. It's a testament to his character. Yeah, hey? it is. He drove down at night and he's like, he's looking at what we're doing. He's giving us pointers and tips and all that. And I'm like, oh. This and he didn't is- charge for any of this. No, no, he, he, he just, he's just 
He's just he's a, bloody, a legend. He's yeah. just a bloody good guy. You yeah. Know? And yeah, so we, we then moved on. We did another short film called Earthrise, which he played the lead bad guy in. Oh, as wow. Well. So we got him down for a few days. We're like, hey, Richard, you know, man, well, you know, can you, how does his character <laughs> interest you? You know, we, we want to do a short. And I, I think with Richard is that he really does enjoy being on the other side of the lens. Mm. He, yeah, he, he does. He, he does. About and and he, he really enjoys it. And I think he, he enjoys the more, I guess, as long as it's structured, but the, the smaller projects, mm. they're a bit more intimate. Right. There's no stress for him yeah, okay. about it. And he can just turn on his character and, mm-hmm. you know, and just chill out with the crew. And, and that's what he did with Rage, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I asked him, I'm like, you know, after we did Earthrise, I'm like, Richard, you know, you saw Night Shift, you, you know, you saw me progress with style and maturity and, and mm-hmm. all that. I'm like, listen, I've got this script. I really think you'd be amazing to play this this detective mm-hmm. he goes well, well show me the script you know show me the script and he read it and he has some feedback mm-hmm. you know as mm-hmm. as all good actors should mm-hmm. because he really dissected every single bloody line wow yeah he he had good notes detective. he had notes in almost every single piece of dialogue mm-hmm. and when i say notes there were like five or six different lines coming out of mm-hmm. why is he saying that why is he saying that why is he saying that and two things happened at that point. In my head, I'm like, fuck, I don't want to have to deal with this. Oh, man. Really? Oh, how do I explain all this to him when, when I'm still getting my head around it? Oh, you know? okay, right. Yeah. Because um, new drafts were coming in all the time. And I'm like, oh, okay. shit. You know, yeah, it was just a lot of focus at the mm-hmm. time, right? So that, that was the first thing that happened. And the second thing that happened was it made me realize that just what a great actor he is. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, you've taken this material and you clearly like the material enough to dissect it and you care about it. Mm-hmm. So a few changes were made, good changes, mind you. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back as a director, you, you're never like, no, 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 it's my film. This is the way it has to be. You it's have like, to if listen, you have a, man. If you've got a better idea than I do, great. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Because the film will be better in the end. And that's, that's you know? our job as actors is to dissect that script well, and then come to you and say, I'm telling you, this is gonna look. This isn't gonna work for yeah. me. Like my cadence, yeah. my rhythm. If you want it to be natural, how about like there's a scene in and and I've said this a bunch because I can't thank the 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 directors Ben Head and Ben Thompson of Stringy Bark, the um, Ned Kelly stuff that mm. I showed you, where in the script he uh, just before he's about to um, he's just shot um, Kennedy. And they have him give him a backhand. And I'm like, I'm telling you, Ned Kelly is famous for boxing. Yeah. He, he is just going to yeah. punch Black that guy right in the face. <laughs> and then at first they were like, uh, yeah, you know, like, fuck you. Mm. I said, I'll do it both ways, but I'm telling you that the punch is You'll the use go. It in the edit. Yeah. yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and we didn't even, they didn't even need to see the slap. It was so, and, and that's a great director too, right? Is, is no, no, no. You know, don't fucking talk to me about this. Is my script, man, 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 man. You need your actor to embed themselves into it, and sometimes yeah. that there's going to be, especially at this level, there's got to be some flex. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Of we're course, not, we're not Tarantino. No. So no, that's the thing. No, you, you need you it, and they're going to be better for it. And it's going back to that thing about control, as yeah. I said. You know, you need to let, you need to have breathing room. You know, and you need to let an actor hang themselves too. Yeah. You know, and go, okay, cool, let's see it. Ask me about that with Matt, okay? <laughs> but yeah, Richard Richard came on set and he just, he just had a really good time, man. Like he just he he got along so well, even with the it, I should 
choose my words carefully here. <laughs> Not the smallest member of the crew, but I guess lower down the ladder. No, no, um, okay. Cool sheep. Know, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he got along with everyone, you know, yeah. and, and he was such a gentleman. He always gave everyone their time. Well, he's a Zen you know, out fucking martial arts uh, master. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just really feel like he, he enjoyed the script. He enjoyed his time. I could be wrong, Richard. Let me know. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he just enjoyed his time. And, and, you know, I think, um, yeah, he's just one of those rare people now in the industry that's like, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do because I can and, yeah. and I'm going to I'm gonna hang out with people who I like because I can. Yeah. I've got nothing else to prove because I've got, got 40 nothing years. Nothing to do with stature nothing or whatever. Like that. And, yeah. You know, he's, he's just better for it. But look, he delivered his lines perfectly every time, every time. Um, and the one thing with Richard that I started to learn is like, look, he, he sat down and he goes, look, just have more in the can than you need because mm-hmm. you never know. Right. And I said, what, well, what do you mean? He's like, you'll see in the edit. And he said it in that bloody sly silver fox kind of way that he, that he talks to me. Yeah, sometimes when he's like trying to teach me something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he really has, become, <laughs> he has become a mentor to me, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but he goes, look, you know, just, just one more, just let me do one more take. Let me do one more. And like, I'm like, Richard, it's, it's 14 takes already. We've got it. I'm sure we've got it. <laughs> And sure enough, in the edit, what did I use? Take 15 because of that one more that he, that he gave yeah, something right. different. He gave a slight, slight eye twitch or he gave yeah. a slight, and he, he did that deliberately. Mm-hmm. So I've got different you, range. You've got lots you know? to cut to. to yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. a nightmare to edit because I'm like, fuck, take Which six is good, pick? but take seven is much better. And like, I like the wink in this one and that one. So yeah, it was, it, it was a daunting task editing around Richard, but at the same time, the amount of, flexibility he gave me with it mm-hmm. is has been a really great lesson to me to mm-hmm. learn um but yeah he's he's you know he went back to the states at the moment to do suicide squad 2 he's in panama i think for another four weeks he's actually coming back this week he we need to meet up with him he called me a few weeks ago saying let's meet up mm-hmm. he's really really keen about it because he hasn't seen any anything about it right. yet nothing like that so I'll, I'll show him a bit when but yeah look he's just one of those guys and i'm like you know you're a rare one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came he in. Is, there was man. no ego on set. Nah. It, you know, there was a night that we shot till three, four in the morning and he was he was there. He was doing he's his He's anti-ego massively. He's you just, know? Yeah, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He's and a gentleman. he's someone that I think the Australian film industry should really embrace a lot more. A lot more. And he should be in a lot, you know, in many more projects and he should be in front of the camera a lot more as well. Um, I, I mean, I know he's great at what he does behind the camera with his stunts and, and all that and the relationships mm-hmm. he makes with all these actors and all that. But in my opinion, he really should be in front of the camera a lot yeah, more. Okay, you that's know? interesting. Cause yeah. in, and whether he's just being humble, you know, he showed us um, a scene from Spartacus. Mm. Um, the sword. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he was <laughs> like, you know, acting definitely isn't my number one strength, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I do enjoy like doing the odd bit here and there. Mm. Um, no, I think he's wrong about that. I think if he's given yeah. the right material, right, and if he has time to dissect it, and as long you know, if it's not a bit part, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think Richard Norton is is one of the most. I think he's a really, really hidden asset to the film industry here, and the chemistry between him and Toddy Goldsmith mm-hmm. was just amazing. So yeah. when's, when do you think, that, what's your plan from here for this film? Um, I, I'm going to give you a two-part question just so we can keep zipping along. When is it, where and when 
And then you've got another project next year that we briefly discussed when we were sharing info yep. and what have you. Take me on that little journey. So basically right now the music is being written for, okay. by Kai Chen Lim, mm-hmm. who is, I mean, the only way I can describe this guy is he's a maestro. Right. He's the most musically intelligent person I've ever met in my life. And it's such a it's such an incredible kind it. of intelligence. He, he too. gets it, and he's he's actually turned the film into something that I never thought it could be. The power of music, man. Oh man, I'm telling you, mm-hmm. he's done stuff to scenes that I'm like, this is not what I intended when shooting it. Mm-hmm. And your music is better than the guy track that I'm using, right? For it from Hollywood films, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've given it a whole new flavor. This this guy is an absolute genius at what he does well it becomes a character in the oh, film oh man he's given it a fl- he's given it a tone he's given it a blanket of emotion that mm-hmm. wasn't there before so I'm um, you know we're working on that now it's 85 minutes of music he has to write it's mm-hmm. quite a lot of music so we're on the finishing leg of that mm-hmm. now and uh, after that it goes into sound mix and colour I guess for a month we're having the premiere in March because people are overseas they're coming back and all that and we're like no man gets left behind you know everyone has to be there for Have that premiere you got premiere. that booked? We we're going to be starting that in early Jan, okay? okay because cool. yeah. Well, I'd love to come along. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because yeah, it's going to be by estimates already. It's over over a three hundred crowd. Oh wow! Screening. So we need to find a cinema big enough to. to Sun. It's not, big not, not big enough. No. But at the same time, we don't want to invite everyone we know because we're like, you know, you need to buy the fucking thing when it comes out. You know? So, <laughs> so like, I've already seen it. You know, buy the buy the goddamn thing. You know. Um, ten bucks on iTunes or whatever when yeah. it comes out. So then, and then obviously we're going through a few, bit of a transition period now with with distribution and just the way we're gonna. You know, we've got a few things going on in the background. I can't go into too much no, about right, it because fine. yeah, it's 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 accounting, it's Screen Australia and things like that mm-hmm. that, we're, that we're doing it with a few other people from Brisbane and Sydney at the moment. Um, so yeah, it is it is wrapping up. Mm-hmm. It is wrapping up, and I do need to get it done by Feb twenty for hopefully a MIF submission. Okay, cool. Um, so <clears throat> we are at the mercy of film festival deadlines because right. ultimately we want to run six seven months on the festival circuit. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, get noticed or a good review, maybe even a win here and there, you know, mm-hmm. and then use that as leverage for our distributor. Going, hey, this isn't you know, it's got some bones behind it. Here are the reviews. Here's mm-hmm. here's what it's won. Here's what it's been selected for. You know, I think the take price is a lot more than what you're offering. You know. So right. yeah. using that as leverage. But yeah, look, it's 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 coming to the last leg and we've since then we've started working around another idea now, saying, you know, we like this thriller genre. We like working within that genre. It allows us to be creative within that genre. And uh yeah, I, I just basically came up with, with another idea now and I've given it to Michael Ospia. I'm like, yeah, this is my idea, what do you think of it? write it up and he's come back to me with like another 15 page treatment is that the american yeah. writer yeah, yeah, yeah. okay I'm wow. like i'm like look you know this script deals with things that i think you're personally going through at the moment you know um i think you can write this right now oh okay you know? cool um i can channel it yeah i mean you know this kid this kid is just He's a very, very talented writer. And is he still in the States? He's still in the States. So you've never I, met I just, him? I just feel like he's, he's, he's got such just some really bad karma around him, like bad energy around him. <laughs> he, needs to, he needs to fucking leave America and just come to Australia and write right. because, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, the, I don't think the Bronx is for him, man. He's just always, <laughs> whether it's, you know, catching an Uber or something, because he vents a lot on Facebook. 
Um, oh right. And a part of me is like, dude, you know, I feel sorry for you, dude. Like, get, get the fuck out of there. You know, yeah. just find find peace because mm. it's affecting your world. It's affecting your writing and all that. At the same time, I'm like, here's a piece that I can give you as mm-hmm. an idea, and you can channel all that into this. And it reminds me of what Paul Schrader did with Taxi Driver when he was living, you know, at his ex girlfriend's couch, and you know. He was just going through a really right. bad run in his life and all that. So the the topic and the themes of our next film, the uh, the Black Pill, deals with. And this is this is this the Black Pill. This is the Black Pill. Yeah. Right, right. So, it's, so it's about toxic masculinity. It's about um, incel culture. It's about um, loneliness and and what the online community can do to warp someone's mind to becoming a mass shooter. Um and just how these people feel and and mm-hmm. and how they've been sort of marginalized and just the misogynistic view of of the world that they have right and and and, and how they blame women for their issues every single Australian issue. or American everything can be Australian my friend yeah everything yeah. can be Australian there's no need to make it one thing or another if I wanted to do this in Japan I could no a hundred percent cinema 100%. is a universal language but there's also yeah no no it is but there are also um, cultural issues that are, you know, well, like I said, we take it out. Yeah, you know. So, example, the gun shop, we make it something different. Yeah, it's about. So being you will make this one a, a, that's happening here. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I have no interest in going to America. Really? No, I've been to LA on a holiday, and I just <laughs> didn't like it. Um, I just feel like if I went to America to make movies, I would be doing a disservice to the country that's allowed me to follow this passion. My job is to really change Australian cinema. Yeah. You Do you know, know Mark Diaco? Oh, from your last podcast, yeah. Right. Yeah. Did, you, did you listen to that whole podcast? A little bit, what I could, yeah. One of, no, well, I mean, um, get off the show. No. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this about Mark, um, and that's why he said he did the podcast, is he is, is very – I don't think that he, um, to the extent that you are in terms of – you know, he spent. I think he spent a lot of time in the states, but he's really, really pro keeping the talent here in Australia. Yeah, yeah, and he I said agree. that's that's the reason I did your podcast is because everyone on your list to that point was a Melbourne-based, Melbourne-raised creative. Yeah, well, maybe not so much raised, but they were all here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with him. Yeah, and that's so. I thought that was really cool. And and look, it is that problem of um, the talent leaves. Yeah. Because there's no one's paying them to work. Yeah. And that's tough. So it is great that there are people like you who have started their own little production companies and are out giving people a shot. I mean We've got good talent here, man. Well, we have I, great talent. We here. have great talent. Um and look and they're not giving the shot. They're not giving the shot. And that is a that is a whole other um conversation because the powers to be are not giving them a shot. I saw this it's a little bone, but there was an article and I won't say where and I won't say who because I think the person who wrote it is really great and um, I hope that this person is going to come and watch Stringy Bark when it comes out next year. I reached out to her. But she quoted um, Justin Kurzel talking mm. about the true story of the Kelly gang and how he just really wanted to come back to Australia and do a film with Australian actors. Zero Australian actors play lead roles in that film. Mm. They are all Brits. Mm. I mean, even Russell Crowe, I know he's Aussie, but he's a Kiwi. Not that that really means too much, but Charlie Hunman and the fellow who actually plays Ned Kelly and... um, Oh, this is Stan 
series, right? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's, it'll have a limited screening. I think the stand was an afterthought because mm-hmm. it didn't do as well as they thought. But the guy who plays Ned Kelly, he's a Brit. Charlie Hunnam's a Brit. Yep. You've got the other fellow um, who plays Beast in X-Men. I always forget his name. Holt. Um, Nicholas Holt, yeah. yeah. He's a Brit. Where's all the Aussies? I don't know. And this classic Australian tale. I don't know, but I bet it was funded <laughs> with the Aussie money. Probably. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I saw, and yeah. what? We're all here. Yes. You know, it's a, yes. such a dick move. I think, I think at, at some point in time it does come down to marketing. And this is the catch 22. It's like, well, this person won't bring in tickets. How is Charlie Hunman bringing in tickets? Well, Sons of Anarchy and all that, you know, he's, he's coming well, out I think he's one of the worst actors in Hollywood. <laughs> well, yeah. And now I he's playing fucking look, Thomas Roberts in, uh, in Shantaram. Look, I, I understand because first and foremost, what people need to understand is it's a business. Mm-hmm. You're never going to make money by your airy fairy, this is my art bullshit, okay? You need to be economically yeah, educated, yeah, 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 okay? Yeah, yeah. And those decisions come down during the actual creative process Mm. so for example i'll give you a really good example in our film we have a really really graphic rape scene and as marlene and i were sitting behind the monitor and this has been filmed and hats down to our lead actress Haley, um who was an absolute fucking trooper shooting that like i I asked i asked the cast to do things that were really really explicit in this Mm -hmm. film um and not just because for the sake of it being that way, but because it really needed to drive the story along. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone was such a troop. Like, everyone, there were such troopers in, in getting it done. They were like, right, let's just do what the script says and we, we'll get it done, you know? So I personally just wanted to say thank, thank you. But going back to what I was saying, as we're watching the monitor, we're like, and I turned to my line, like, shit, this is, this might get us an R rating. You it's know? definitely going to get you this, an R this, rating. This actually <laughs> might get us an R rating. And, She's like, shit. I'm like, yeah, exactly. She goes, you know, if it does eventually get a cinema release, that's going to really affect the box office because they're going to not show it at certain slots. Only a certain demographic will be allowed to see it. Um, and then and then I said to myself, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it, man. Fuck I it. don't I, – I, I agree I with I you. I don't care. No, go go with it. And you know what? Um, I don't care. Because films it like f- Deadpool yeah. and Joker have proven that – R-rated films can make exactly. a shit ton of money. Exactly. And and it will find an audience no matter what. Because no matter the, what. the avenue for an audience now is so wide. Exactly. I can watch a feature film on my phone, on my way to work, no problem mm-hmm. on my phone. It's not ideal. A filmmaker doesn't want their film watched on a phone. But hey, guess what? It's fucking 2019, nearly 2020. Yeah. That's the way of the world. That's you the know? way of the world, man. Um, but yeah. So you gotta you gotta be really economically viable. You, you you can't have that again that lotto mentality of going, hey, I'm gonna sell this film for a million dollars. Our goal was to make a film low budget enough that whatever money comes in will repay back the production cost. Yeah. So if, at worst case, it's paid for. My, uh, well, my goal always was the ROI, and when people say ROI, they're like return of invest, return on investment. Mm. I said, no, it's a return of investment. Mm-hmm. Anything else is a bonus. Yeah. You know, then you get mm-hmm. your return on investment, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's always been my goal to get the money back for the investors, you know? Yeah. So we've structured the budget in a way that, hey, it, even on the lowest scale possible, if the lowest scale doesn't equal our production budget, then we failed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we need to make the lowest possible scenario of distribution 
equal that to our production budget. Gotcha. So that's why we kept everything so in-house and, mm-hmm. and so indie. Mm-hmm. But we made sure that we always got the best lenses, best camera, the best set design, the best wardrobe. We never skimped money on those things because they're the ones that make the film look great. Yes. And yeah. it makes it look more expensive than what it is. It's, it, it's, you, it, know? you can really quickly dismantle the yeah. quality or the budget of a film if yeah. those areas have been exactly. skimmed. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, it, it, was, it even comes down to the timing of how many takes you take, you know. Mm-hmm. Because with, <clears throat> with, with Matt, I knew that Matt's – by the way, Matt is a really, really underutilised – talented actor he is he, he he basically takes the film and he carries it on his shoulder mm-hmm. he drives that film from start to finish and i was so surprised to see this from him because he, the character he portrays in the film is so different to him in real life mm-hmm. but watching that man act oh man it just gives you goosebumps because he's he is fantastic it's the first time in a leading role for him and he just takes it mm-hmm. but i knew i knew going into it going because i know matt personally i'm like i know that he needs to warm up until about take seven. Oh, right. Yeah. So there were times I'm like, don't, you know, Ben, don't even roll on this one. You know, we're not, don't worry about it. We're not going to get it. And I was right about that. Mm-hmm. It's about channeling into every actor's different strengths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Haley got it in two takes. Haley's done in and out. Right, you know? she's, right. she's able to switch as a chameleon. You know? Matt needs time to warm up. But when he does get there, it's fucking magic. It's magic, you know. But you're not always going to have time and budget to do 13 takes, takes you know because yeah. you you're at, you got to be out of that location mm-hmm. in an hour mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it's finding it's it's finding that balance of right hey matt i need you to be on the on the ball today or, or like you know giving him a bit of space giving him a bit of time mm-hmm. you know there was one I, just a little side story here just real quick there was a time when it was a really really emotional scene and it was like take 10 take 11 not now, getting I, it no 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 we were in the other room and Marlene, me, Vicky, and everyone, most of the crew were looking at the monitor. And I turned to Marlene, I'm like, you know, he, he got it. He got it. But watch this. And I kept, I kept him going to like take 12. And he looks at, you know, after the take, he looks into the camera. So I, so he's talking to me through the monitor. He's mm-hmm. like, John, I don't know what you want from me. Like, what else do you want? I'm like, give me one more. <laughs> give me one more. And... You know, I'm bringing this guy down to the verge of tears, you know, and mm. I go into the room I'm like, Matt, you're wasting everyone's time. And the look on his face of disappointment and disheartenment, and he's like, he was almost about to break, you know, break down because mm-hmm. like, he had nothing else left to give. I'm like, no, no, brother, you're all good. You, <laughs> get, you gave it to us in take seven, but your last take was the best one. Thank you. You know, right. and it's like, you fucking bastard. Don't mm-hmm. ever do that again. This and that, because I genuinely gave him a scare. But yeah, again, going back, every single aspect and facet of, running your set and, and, and basically your whole production day will revolve around different elements. So your budget, your schedule, your location agreement, all that. So it's, again, it's going back to that juggling. It's been a combination and it all comes down to having good people to manage it yeah. around you. 100%. You know? Well, mate, thanks I, for- I've em- waffled on. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's the whole point. It's I've good. waffled on. No. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> Don't apologize at all. That's the whole point. I really appreciate you taking the time no to worries. come down and sit down and share your stories with us. Um, I'll keep you updated. Yes. So so Rage in March, hopefully at a cinema that can hold a shit ton of people. Well, yes. And then and 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 straight out of that one, when do you think you will start? I mean, how far away are you from well, shooting I mean, your next project? Thing? Probably again we don't want to shoot in summer because we hate summer um so we'll probably start shooting in june 
of 2020. 2020. Cool, Our goal man. is to do a film year. Great. That's yeah. a great goal. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. No worries. Thank you. Cheers.